What's up, everybody? This is Rockstrike. Here we are. Welcome back to the channel. Today, I'm doing State of Mind Now in a new format where I will be interviewing people, discussing topics about breaking, related to breaking, from people within the scene, some people within other elements. So I think it's important to share knowledge. It's important to learn. It's important to stay uh, researching, you know. I think it's important to go out there and find out more information about what we love to do from different sources. As you guys know, I do this professionally. But it's also good to hear other people that do it in their own way. So today I got Squid with me. Squid Rock is a part of Squadron. He owns his own brand called Destroy. He throws events. I mean, he does a lot of different things related to hip hop, which I think is really important. Uh, I've known this guy for quite a while. So, I mean, to me, he's representing a lot of dope shit, a lot of dope stuff. And he's definitely carrying on his own movement, his own way. And it's inspirational to see. So just go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. So yeah, I think it's been like 20 to almost 20 plus years that I've known you now, right? Yeah. So I'm Squid Rock. I'm from the Squadron crew, originally from the Unique Styles crew. Um, I represent BGSK and the Concrete All-Stars as well. Um, I've been around hip-hop for 23 plus years now. Um, I've been breaking since 1999. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an event organizer, promoter. I'm a b-boy. I was competitive b-boy for 20 plus years. Um, done my fair share of battles internationally, nationally. Done the whole competition route. Um, now I'm more focused on my company, Destroy, which is an independent brand in the breaking world. Or it's, I, wouldn't, I don't like to call it a breaking brand. Um, we're definitely a part of breaking, you know, and breaking is always a part of the brand because it's, cause it's something that I'm a part of. Yeah. But uh, the brand really like represents everything culture related that that i'm into you know yeah. that i've been into for the past like 20 plus years so um so yeah so that's that's what destroy is it's it's my company it's like it's it's that's what it is it's nice. kind of like a a compilement of of my life's work yeah all right well yeah let's uh you know i guess we can talk a bit more so you know squid i was actually at his first event ever and this was in 1999 in miami um, I was there competing, and I remember running into Squid and his crew throughout the years uh, after that, actually, and him mentioning that that was his, his first event, which is interesting, because for me, that was like yeah. one of the rawest events I've Yeah, you were already the champ. He was already the champ. Um, yeah, 99 was my... Uh, so prior to that, I had been to smaller events. Um, <laughs> there were these things called the... Speedy Legs used to throw these like really small jams in Miami uh, actually they were in Hollywood at the Hollywood Pal mm -hmm. but other than that it was more like a practice session but um other than those things I hadn't been to like a real jam so Prime 99 was the first jam that I went to mm -hmm. and that jam was epic that was like if you if when you look back so much happened at that yeah. jam um well you were already the champ you were already killing <laughs> it you were you were <laughs> killing it he was already like high level shit um and then at that jam also is where you see Migas and K. Yeah. They call out um, Kenny, uh, Kenny and, uh, Easy Rock and Easy Rock and, and the Rocksteady older head dudes yeah. that were there. And that was epic. Seeing Migas and Kenny battle was crazy. Yeah. That, that was <laughs> that was insane. And I was a little kid. I was I was 14. Yeah, I was like 14 and a half going on 15 maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really crazy experience. And that was the first time I saw you. That was, a, that was the first time I seen 
or I heard the name Rocks right. And yeah. you were already on some championship. So that yeah. was, that was, <laughs> that was way cool. back. Yeah. Yeah. That was my debut, you know? So it's interesting to see how we correlate and we run across people in the scene or we meet yeah. people. And when you go back and for him, it was his first event that he went to. For me, it was my first national event oh, outside of California. And I got flown out there. And I mean, I've spoken about this event a lot. It's been on the channel as well. Uh, I mean, it was a life-changing event for me. It really gave me a different perspective on hip-hop and how far you can really go with it because there were so many pioneers that were there that were still active. And it was Bro, just... Everybody, everybody was there. Was there so. Every, it, was a, it was a combination of like... It's like the people that were making their names in the 90s or that yeah. were that were eventually be known for as 90s, like, you know, OGs. Yeah. Who we call that now. Yeah. And then... But you still had all the pioneers there too, yeah. you know, like Kenny's still there actively battling, you know, yeah. you have legs there, you got all, you know, you see Chino, yeah, like you see, all, yeah. all these guys, incredible, break, incredible, incredible breakers, breakers are there, yeah. everybody's there. Um, so it's, it was just like, that. I feel like those events were really, really important, you know, yeah. and like, they were like, um, I feel like I'm part of uh, this generation that mm. caught that last, that last little you know, rawness that yeah. still existed. That I feel was an like, interesting year. Yeah. I think that last, the, the last 99 going into the new, yeah, the new millennium. Yeah, 99 was crazy too. It was, yeah, it was the, almost the change in direction and everything from the music industry to the events. It just, yeah. Everything started shifting. Rap and music uh, changed a yeah, lot too. Yep, yep. Exactly. And it was just that, that one year, that event, those events, those, that, that last uh, year of that century was just, I think, very uh, pivotal. Yeah, for, for for the community, but also the aftermath of those events. Well, you know, everybody yeah, left. It changed a lot. Uh, yeah, it changed a lot of different things. So it's interesting to hear. You know, I, I, we've talked about this event a lot. A lot of us have mentioned it. If you haven't seen the footage, you should check it out. Just just YouTube it. It's still yeah. out there. it's all out there. You um, see me in the ultimate <laughs> circle. If you look up the ultimate circle, you see me, my brother, Trigger. We're all just like little kids. Yeah. Like just sitting, like we're watching the Ultimate Circle, like the the the, the main cipher that happened where Kenny and them battle. Yeah, and you just see me like just sitting as a little kid, but I was like taking it all in, like whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, that event really changed everything for me and like my local crew at the time. I mean, yeah, for me too. I mean, yeah. you know, it's funny. I actually got to go around in that cipher. I think yeah, okay, yeah, that's a memorable sure. moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like young kid getting one shot in there, just yeah. one, one round. But yeah, it was an epic event. I mean, that event, I think opened a lot of doors for a lot of people yeah. and um as like i said that's where i first was at and he was there as well but we didn't meet there actually yeah, we, we met, yeah, we met we later yeah we yeah. actually i went back to miami again to judge one of the proms that his crew unique styles won oh um, right 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 yeah but there i briefly met uh speedy uh yes, Max, speedy the mean trigger. Oh, yeah he was going <laughs> off and uh after that you guys came to the bay for an event called new hope where they had a dark yeah. side versus light side which was yeah. almost a time period when breaking, we had this, you know, this flexible yeah, style the, that everybody the was alternative style, the alternative like style, the, yeah. And then they yeah. tried to battle the light side, and we ended up battling your crew, Unique Styles, with Renegade. So yeah. me, D Rock, and Flexum, yeah, on our home turf, we battled Unique Styles. <laughs> yeah, you know, three that was crazy. And uh, yeah, it's funny because uh, I was supposed to battle in that battle, but yeah. um, like three, four days before we left Florida, I broke my fist. Uh, I got in an argument with Jules, who was my roommate at the time, and I got so mad. I punched the wall. I like I hit a a, a beam or whatever, fractured my knuckle. Yeah. Um. And then I wasn't able to battle. And then Jules ended up taking my sp not Jules. Uh, 
one of the twins, I don't remember, one of the other twins yeah. ended up taking up my spot and then they, they did the, the three on three. Yeah. They went to the semifinals, I think, against you guys. Yeah. And then they lost to Renegades because Renegades was crazy. At the time. Yeah, these guys had a night. I mean, D Rock was on it. That, that was, was a crazy beast, battle. D Rock is fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. crazy one. It's funny because we actually went into a tiebreaker with y'all. Damn, those are tiebreakers. I don't remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember. Is that, and they that, like, damn, Renegades. There was a tiebreaker, yeah. And I mean, the bay is the bay, you know, the bay's home to the Renegades. So everybody knows when yeah. you go there in battle. What's like, crazy we go all out there. is that um, last year at the last Destroy Jam, um, uh, at the Revolution Jam, the, the, the first one we did last year, um, my brother, you know, he's out of the scene. He, he he competed and he did his thing. He was competing actively, you, as you remember. Yeah. Um, and... Back in those days, at that jam, my brother was one of the main dudes on our lineup, and he battled it against you guys. And that was our first time in California, and he, you know, he remembers, like, came to California, I lost to Renegade. <laughs> and then he came, you know, he came to the jam last year, to the Revolution Jam, and um, and he watched uh, Nels and Doug oh, yeah. lose to you, and he's like, damn, like, it's 20 years, and kids from Florida are still coming to to California and losing to Renegades. And we were like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> like, rocks has got to be stopped. But, um, but damn, that that's funny, funny, right? That shit was funny. Like, it, we went full circle with that. We were like, damn, it's a brand new, like, batch of kids. And yeah, the they're coming to Cali and they still got to see the general, bro. Y'all remember, you still got to see the general. You come to Cali, you got to see Rock. <laughs> Man, that's funny. Yeah. But yeah, see, things, The it's, it's just interesting to see the layout of time and how yeah, things yeah. progress. Because at that same event, is where I met Keebs officially for the first time as well. Oh, but you yeah. have known Keebs, and Keebs is another squadron member that yeah. you know played a big role in being being there in the beginning. And yeah, 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 as since well. the beginning. Yeah, I've known Keebs for years. Uh, I used to. I first started uh, meeting Keebs in Texas at the like B Boy Cities yeah. in like two thousand and three, two thousand and four, mm -hmm. and then like right away we were, we became really close to Master of Mayhem, and then we all started kicking it. Yeah. Actually. That's how Keeves ends up in Florida is that he's coming to Florida to hang out with us after yeah. we become friends with him at, at the Texas events that's or funny. whatever, you know? So that's what brings him, Milky, all these guys to Florida, yeah. which then later on they end up in Orlando, but, you know. Yeah, which is actually the foundation for the development of Squadron in many ways because that, it's almost like yeah. MOM, Masters of Mayhem, Renegades, Unique Styles. Yeah, it's that. I mean, the... the my 180. Yeah, yeah, my 180. The, the real connection actually started with David... You and Speedy? Yeah, yeah. And um, that was in 05 when, or 04 when he met you guys at Spin Factory from what he told me. Yeah. And then he goes on to um, Outbreak 2005. Yeah. And I was supposed to be at that one. Yeah. But me and D-Rock ended up not being able to make it for that one. Yeah. And then they won that. Yeah. And actually, David links with Speedy and my brother. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't there. Oh, no, no. Spin Factor, I was there. That's yeah. the one where we, we drove in a van with Max all the way to Boston. That's crazy. It was Florida there. to Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was there. And you're right. That's where we link up for the first time. And um, and I think David, if I'm not mistaken, I think this was the jam, but something happened. My brother didn't have a return flight. Uh -huh. And David bought him a ticket, like oh, hooked shit. him up. Like he was like, I got you. And he spotted him a flight back to Florida. Damn. <laughs> Young man, I David. think that was a jam. I don't know if it was that jam or another Boston jam. I know that at one point when we first meet David, like we're like 
Like it was like literally like we're, we're brand new friends and something happened. My brother needed a ticket and David's like, I got you. And we were like, oh shit, this dude's down for real. Young ass David already had it. <laughs> yeah, he already That's hilarious, it. bro. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that, but he, he actually, I heard something about that, but yeah, that's funny. So that's how that connection happened. Yeah. So actually we forwarded 2006, uh, it's July, 2006. David is telling me to come to LA with him for a, for a event and just yeah. to connect out here. Yeah. And I come out and actually, officially get to kick it and build with him and connect with Speedy. Speedy's another pivotal piece to the puzzle here because Speedy was one of the hungriest, most active dudes and he was just everywhere, battling, traveling, doing industry work. I mean, he was all over the place. He was on it. He was was trying to do it. Yeah, he was was doing it. Yeah, and I would say, um, yeah, talking about the the concept of Squadron coming up, um, that's kind of like part of it was that at the time, our crew at home, Unique Styles, was everybody was starting to grow up and go yeah. into different things. Um, people were a little less active with the battling. Some people, Felix started getting more into music. Yeah. Mex was handling, you know, trying to like do business. Yeah. Me, Speedy, and my brother were kind of like the last three that were like still really actively trying yeah. to battle. And and that's how we end up kind of like teaming up with you guys, because like it was, you know, yeah. We were trying to like find people that were doing that that we're still actively trying to pursue the battle path or whatever you know yeah that i mean that's the interesting thing because when we think of that time period we're in our early 20s right early yeah. i mean i'm in my mid-20s you guys are in your early 20s yeah yeah david's like a teen still yeah young adult he's a kid still. He's a kid. and then uh yeah with that time we ended up when we came for that event actually it was uh me you speedy kid david Flowmaster, and wicked oh yeah we ended up battling at the hip-hop international world yep. battle yeah, we won that battle, and from there it was just we just kept connecting. And the, the next month, me and David go to Outbreak, and we win Outbreak, which gives us a spot at that time for the Vivo World Team. Oh which yeah, Max was was helping, Max was organizing, organizing that at that. the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that to me that's the 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 foundation of yeah the the, the coming together of everybody and, and everybody connecting yeah. and intertwining and exactly the and then shortly after that we do freestyle session as unique renegades yes we did With, that. and then we add kevo on to it because kevo was somebody that was already close to us exactly and he jumped on but basically like those events hip-hop international when basically unique styles and renegades get together and then leading up to that freestyle session unique renegades again we do yeah. it together yeah um and then Everybody that was also around that had the bond with us, like Keebs, yeah. um, Kevo at the time, you know, that that basically is the foundation of the squadron. It's yeah. around that era, those times, and then Unique Styles and Renegades coming together yeah. to, to try to like, you know, the guys that were actively battling in your crew, we were the guys actively battling in our crew. Exactly. And then it kind of, we, we started bonding and we started trying to like, trying to take over. And yeah, that's what people, <laughs> I think we've said this story many times and sometimes for us it's reductant that we have to repeat it. But I think yeah. for people that don't know, you know, at that point in my breaking and David's breaking, we were both so very active we were willing to travel we were going to put our money up and, and go to events across the country yeah, yeah, yeah. wherever we could that there was things going on yeah you were hungry where, yeah other members they weren't you know they were still dancing they were still doing stuff but they had different type of responsibilities they were a little older they were yeah. doing different things some of them had kids other guys didn't want to be as active and that's just part of the journey yeah that's what happens you know yeah, yeah that's what happens and i think that's what it makes it difficult. I think it's rare for uh, a crew to grow up completely together and they all pursue the same passion because everybody's different. Everybody yeah. has different goals Everyone in life. Everyone follows a different path. Exactly. And I yeah. think for us, 
we were the active members. You guys were the active members. Almost all the guys that got in the crew were the last of their crews that were still trying to be active on the competitive forefront. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, we, we ended up doing unique styles uh, and renegades, unique renegades. We st I still have the shirt, actually. Oh, damn. And we've, yeah. we battled that uh, freestyle session that year. But prior to that, we actually went to France with a bunch of different people. Yeah. But I think after that France trip, Max saw something in the chemistry between... Yeah. Us, Keeps, um, yeah, it was like that connection. Yeah, that, he saw that 180, we, Masters of Mayhem. Yeah, those crews, we were already constantly hanging out. We were already like all together. It happened to be that we we kind of were an all-star squad, you know, with yeah. Speedy, Kevo, you, Keeps, me, my brother. Um, it was already kind of like a group of heavy hitters, yeah. but we happened to have the chemistry. Yeah, exactly. So I think Mick saw that, and, and it's funny because you bring up he was kind of running the viewer world thing mm -hmm. prior to that. Yeah. When he was doing that, um, you know, he was working with, with, with uh, what's his name? Um, I forgot the guy's name. The guy that used to run the, uh, the viewer world stuff with Mex, the yeah. European dude. When he was doing that with him, he, he was already noticing that this guy was constantly trying to put together a U.S squad yeah. to go overseas yeah. to handle and i think from that mix would notice that like doing it randomly and always bringing u.s squad overseas of kind of like randoms yeah didn't guarantee you good results because people don't have that chemistry yeah and i think that we naturally had the chemistry and he saw like hey this is kind of like already a group of people that are kind of top tier yeah they already have the chemistry like instead of trying to like put together different people for these things like yeah it was i like, want to do something like this that's going to be like more permanent yeah and I yeah think that's where he came up with the concept you know yeah i think that's what it was he saw that in us you know and I, I think that's what really kept pushing us forward and i think that's why he kept pushing us and pushing us and, and getting us out there and that's i mean that's how he came out with squadron that's how the name came to be as well he's the one yeah. that named it he's the Brand one that saw me. the vision of us coming together and everybody willing to be working together and everybody being so hungry to want to be so active at that time. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he exactly, he had the vision. He was a visionary dude. He saw the potential. He saw everyone's hunger and he saw um, the, you know, he, he, he saw that there was, uh, there was, um, what was it called? Well, I mean, there, there was mutual respect. There was mutual respect, but he, I think Mex was a visionary in the sense that he saw that there was a lack of, of this. He, he knew that there were, there were um, people trying to organize groups to go overseas yeah. to do these bigger jams. Yeah. And I think that he was like, like, like I said, like a visionary in a sense to be like, Hey, I can, we can, we already have a group of guys that are, that can be these guys and I can just back them to, 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 to be these guys permanently. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I think that that was really different at the time. No one was really doing that. You would see tribal trying to put together dudes yeah, to I mean, go that, overseas and, and other brands. Yeah, they did it before, you know? I mean, yeah. not, not taking nothing away from anybody that came prior to us. It happened before Travel had sure, a team. They sure. were getting out there, they were traveling. Yeah. And they also had good chemistry as well. They but did. yeah, yeah that, that was uh, yeah, that was in the early two thousands, and then after that, there was a gap. And yeah, that gap, that gap was, was really filled. And that's when yeah, that gap was when we came in, and that's when yeah, yeah, the squadron started emerging. I mean, I remember fun fact about that freestyle session. I got offered to do some shows for about a week, and it was paying a couple thousand dollars, <laughs> and I gave up that job to go battle with y'all, and then we losing the top sixteen. You remember that? <laughs> And at that time, that I needed was, the money, yeah, but that was the it. drive to want to be active, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I was yeah. also working at the time, so I guess 
I was content with, with working and, and going to compete on the Yeah, weekends. yeah. You prioritize. You were like, I'll keep my job so I can keep battling. Yeah. Instead of doing an industry gig or whatever. Yeah, it was it was actually a, a job in Sacramento. I think it was for the county fair that they had offered oh, shit. it for. Okay. And I just passed it up. And it, I mean it was good money, but yeah, you know, yeah. it, when you have that hunger and you want to be so active, and we were sometimes young. We were like, yeah, we were young. I was still young <laughs> enough to make that that error. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to mess up like that. At a young age. But yeah, I mean yeah. from there. I think we, we just started really building and building. To be honest, something that I, I don't think we've spoken much about. It was just Speedy was a key figure and, and, and David, him and him and David together really like put in a lot of work when it came to routine building. And Speedy yeah, was yeah. one of those guys that just had so much to give, so much energy. Yeah, Speedy was an animal. And yeah. we were just and then you guys had routines and all yeah, that. And my brother had that. And then it was me and my brother had routines that that, that were meant to bring Speedy in. And so it was like <laughs> We kind of had that once yeah. we brought you and David in, and and then Kevo was down. Yeah, Kevo was, was down. It was it was a wrap after that. I mean, yeah. from there we started just you know winning more and more tournaments. I mean, remember doing freestyle session in '09, and we ended up battling. It was Monster Squad, which was California and yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean they were at that point. That was to me. No, they were the they were they were the dudes. They were the dudes. Yeah. They got they were dominating for a year. So oh nine we saw them in a Warsaw Challenge. In we also 2010, six months later. Oh, six months later we saw them in Poland. Yeah. Like those were the people that we were always I, I would like I remember there was an era where like it was us and California yeah. constantly, which is basically the Monster Squad style of California, those guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, we, we also went to the finals against them, I think it was oh nine for UK champs. The, yeah, yeah, the you, guys, yeah here. you guys battled them here now. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, there yeah. for that one. Yeah, they got us there, but then we got them, we got them at, 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 in Poland, which I was glad we did. That was <laughs> dope because that was you and Poe, a tiebreaker, you and Poe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was really in, dope. There were so many people there. It was around maybe 6,000 people in the audience. Bro, it was The nuts. pressure was intense. Yeah, it was a yeah. tiebreaker round. Yeah. And I jump, uh, Poe jumps out, and then I jump out, and it was, you yeah. know, we got the title that time, but yo, Respect to California. I mean, yeah. those guys really pushed the no, level here. For sure. uh, really pushed a lot of people. You know, if you guys haven't researched them, look them up. I mean, they were dominating for such a long time. Yeah. And some of their members are still very active. And even some of the older heads, like some of the style elements people, they were just yeah, for sure. big influential figures in the scene. So nothing but respect to them, you know, and bringing up their names and everything. We just want to make sure that they're recognized. Yeah, yeah, for, no, for those their... guys were people that we constantly saw in the finals. Like, yeah. it was it was always something that would happen, you know, like, so obviously they were on the same, like, path that we were, like. Yeah, exactly. And they were yeah. heavy hitters of, like, you know, for sure of that time. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. That, yeah, that was, uh, so those years were interesting. And we, you know, the squadron story doesn't end there because, I, you know, we've gone through many changes throughout the years. I mean, yeah, after yeah. those years, because of the success of those years, everybody started exactly. working heavily. More things happened, yeah. more events Everybody's, happened. Yeah, it's like we we said, like the same growth that happened with our our childhood crews. Yeah, happened in the squadron as well, but in a different way. Like, yeah, everybody reaches a, like you know, like you said, the success that came from those years of battling and us yeah. going overseas, traveling, competing, yeah. doing a lot of that, and building the name. Then it gets to that point where everyone is seeing that success and, and branching out, you know. And yeah. David starts doing more industry work. Yeah. You, you, I think around that time is when you go on with Red Bull. Yeah, I guess signed in 2010. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of stuff started happening right after those years. And it was, I mean, the, the name was still always there. Yeah. We all were still active. But it was, I think, once we all got to those levels of 
being requested, being you know, working more, getting more jobs related yeah. to dance or industry work, it just less and less chances came up to be together. Yeah, yeah, together. yeah. Of course. And, and uh, then at the same time, like then right around then oh nine, I get yep, I get to Cali. Mm -hmm. I had already been throwing jams or helping Mex throw jams in Florida and throwing my own jams as well. But once I get here, same thing, like that's around the time where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start I wanna be involved organizing events yeah. and then right when i get here you know like i kind of start focusing on that um yeah. my brother ends up um having a kid yeah. and then he goes and and you know starts his tattoo career and really focuses on that everybody kind of just branches out yeah. you know um yeah but we, at the same time we're still in touch the whole time yeah, yeah. and everyone's still like we're still very much a, a, a crew you know and that's the other thing a lot of people have this misconception of the squadron even though it definitely it has the story of a of you know like a, a lineup of, of of top dudes you know yeah. making it somewhat of a super crew, but the bond and the friendship and everything is real and like it's a consistent group of dudes yeah. that did work. It's not like we were just grabbing yeah. as we go. Like it's the same. It it all ties back to the same um, lineage, uh -huh. and it's like the same lineup. You know, different dudes, but all coming from the same crew. You know, like exactly. you might have seen Beast Mode with us, but he comes from my 180. That's the yeah. same crew as Keeves. Maybe you, you know, you might have seen Speedy. You might, you know, see Kevo, whatever, Luigi. or Luigi. But everybody's coming from the same group of of people. You know, so I yeah. feel like there's a misconception that we're not like a solid crew when when really we're probably one of the most solid crews that I know of. You know, yeah. For the, like at least for a solid what 15 years almost yeah exactly it's been yeah so this year everybody stay tuned so oh, december yeah. 10th we're bringing the squadron 15 year anniversary the return of outbreak oh yeah and we're bringing outbreak back just this one time only because max was such a pivotal piece of the whole thing yeah and it's our way to represent him and and what he left for honor us. his legacy honor his legacy you know, of like, course, MG and them have done a great job carrying the legacy in Europe with Alpha. Yeah, Europe of course. Well. And that'll carry on yeah, as long as they on. want to carry that on. Yeah. Us doing it here is just like a, just to give give everyone a taste of what that what, you know what, what Mex did. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's like 15 years to celebrate the squadron. He was a big part of it. You know, he came up with the name. Yeah. He's the one that kind of like pushed us in this direction. So like it's a good way to honor him. That's really what it's about. It's about like honoring his legacy. Exactly. And and that's uh so yes. Stay tuned for that. That's December 10th. So make sure you come out, support if you're around. It'll be here in Los Angeles, California. Uh, more information will be coming soon for that. And I think that can go to the next topic because Max also helped fund a lot of us, right? Which yeah. also, he was a visionary in terms of being independent, independently yeah. owned, independent brand, yeah, yeah, independent everything, yeah. which is leads to you and your brand. I mean, yeah, yeah, for people sure. that don't know, Max used to make shirts for some of the guys in Squadron. And he would give the the money that they would make from the shirts. Yeah, he the, basically, Mex was the first, well, at least in my, from from my perspective or like in my knowledge, um, he was the first person that that he had the the he came with the concept of like, all right, let's make a product for each one of these guys yeah. that we're sponsoring. So um, it's basically like the same idea that like you know he took from skateboarding, um, the idea of having a pro model deck. Mm -hmm. or some sort of product with your name on it that would generate sales and the income would, would go to, to that, you know, sponsored artist that individual. or that individual. So 
Next, yeah, I feel like I don't really know anyone else that did that. I'm not sure if Tribal ever did a specific item yeah. that was branded. Not with that somebody. I know. I don't. I don't. I don't recall seeing much of yeah. that. I mean, yeah, it might have happened. I'm sure it might have happened. But Again, Next was really pushing that. He was really pushing that. Yeah. And I remember when he came out with uh, him and Kid David. The listen to the music T. I remember that yeah, very he clearly. Listen to the music T. He did and, the uh, rocks right. Yeah, team, which said rocks like it said rock motherfucking right. Yeah, rock motherfucking right. <laughs> and, he did a Ray shirt as well for Nasty Ray. Yeah. Um, and then and and that's what leads me. Well, the concept of destroy um, comes from the T-shirt that he made for me. Yeah. He was like, I want to make an item for you. You know, the same way that I've done for the other guys. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? And then I came up with a design. The design at the time was, uh, it's actually the dagger that I have tattooed on my arm, mm -hmm. but um, we changed it. Uh, this dagger says brotherhood. Okay. Um, but the dagger, I took this dagger and the banner on, on the dagger says destroy toys. Yeah. Um, so originally that was just a t-shirt that I, a design that I came up with that I wanted to drop and uh, that he was going to release for me, you know, fund the production mm -hmm. of it, release for me, and then, yeah. you know, pay me from the sale, the royalties of it, uh, the same way that he did with your, with your shirt, the same yeah. way he did with David and his shirt. And then, um, so that's so that's the first Destroy Tea that was ever made, was made by the B-Boy Spot, made by Mex. Wow. And then, and that was 2000 and... 2012 or 2013, I, I don't yeah. know, some, somewhere around there. So there's some history, see, so it's interesting because... I was independent too, right? We yeah. were all independent prior for me to get endorsed and all that. So I also understand that route. I understand. I lived through that. I, I know what that was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just interesting to hear that. And, and some history for, for people that don't know, Max was providing that type of stuff for people that were in Squadron. Yeah. And he was backing us, helping us get out to events, helping us with his resources to get out more and more and help us establish ourselves on a higher level and it was really dope that he did that i mean yeah and he did it with all of us and and yeah you gotta remember 2013 okay i'm actively battling still and yeah. and um and i'm doing my thing mm -hmm. but uh i'm definitely not like i don't ha i don't have the following that you and david had at the time mm -hmm. but even then max was still like no your squadron we're gonna yeah. do an item for you like that was the type of dude he was where he yeah. was like yeah like let's run it you know kind of believed in all of us and that was that was really dope that's dope um, and yeah, so that T comes out, he puts it out for me. We, I think he made like 50 of them or something. Uh -huh. um, I sell them, you know, like I sell some hand to hand. He sells them on the site, remove them all. And then, and then um, 2014, um, I decide, okay, like I, well, before that, 2000, around that time, I already have something that I'm branding myself and it's the magazine I do. Yeah, between, between the breaks, between with, the breaks him, magazine, with you and Kid David. Me and David. David is executive producer, and I'm the chief editor. I basically like I gather content, come mm -hmm. up with the with the ideas. David is funding the project. Yeah, and we're already so like basically like I'm the masterpiece. Of shit. <laughs> I've been independent since day one, and I've been doing. And actually, it even goes further back because uh -huh. in in the first time I come to California for a freestyle session, the one on the boat, the one yeah. with Mary, I land in L.A with a backpack full of VHSs <laughs> of this tape called Constant Movement, uh -huh. which was the first project I ever made. Wow. And it was a VHS tape, and it was, uh, it was a mixtape, yeah. a breaking mixtape, and it was all footage that I had gathered of like different up-and-coming Florida dudes. And uh -huh. you, see, you see Jules on that tape. You see me and my brother. You see the other tw uh, this kid Frankie from yeah. Phoenix Styles. You see Beast Mode. Yeah. Beast Mode's part on that <laughs> tape is 
is fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, you see Crusoe on that tape. All the up and coming dudes that were like the young dudes in Florida that were that yeah. were kind of making a name for themselves and put this mixtape together. Mm-hmm. Um, me and uh, this 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 guy Rival, who was in Unique Styles crew at the yeah. time, um, he edited the whole thing. Shout out to Rival. He wow. he chopped it up for me. I gathered all the footage. He chopped it up. Um, and this is old school chop up, like yeah, like, you know, I know, like, I remember that time period, man. And, I mean, I was making DVDs bro, all then. It was, uh... and we we <laughs> sat in a living room with like five VH VH uh, VCRs uh-huh. and just dubbed all the tapes, and then we um, we got a bunch of empty uh, you know boxes, and then uh, went to Kinkos or whatever, yeah. made, made the covers, slid them in, threw them in a backpack. Flew to Cali, landed here. Since day one, I've been hustling. It's just so what I there, do. There you have it. So if you can get your hands on that tape, yeah, constant movement. Su- constant movement. Look out for it. Somehow I got a copy of it. I yeah, I'm sure you have to hear it with me. Yeah, it's a rare, it's a rare gem, honestly, and definitely something that at that time I didn't even realize was out. And something I would say is overlooked because when you see the level that people were doing on that tape. It's really inspiring. Yeah, yeah. where I'm at now. I'm actually really back. on that tape, but I'm on the tape, you know. <laughs> Just going back, yeah, like you said, yeah. Beast Mode's part on there is, yeah, whoa, fire. next Beast level. Beast part on there is crazy. <laughs> but, um, so, but bringing it back, so I've been doing, you know, always been hustling and doing things independently, yeah. whether people were backing me or not. Um, Constant Movement was the first project I did. It was a VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Then later on, way later on, um, I'm doing that magazine, that was um, dope though. That's and that's that was really dope. Yeah, the yeah. zine was super dope. Yeah, the magazine was really dope. I actually shot a few covers actually. Yeah, yeah. Everything in the magazine was B boys like contributing to yeah. it. Lance, um, my boy Lance from Philly, he's the one that uh that did all the layouts on the yeah. design. Uh Tony TSB did the first issue. Yeah. He, he you know he he did the layouts for the first issue. After that, uh Lance did the rest of them. Yeah. Um and then all, all like you know, the material was all contributed by B boys. Like whether it was photography yeah. or stories or anything that we published was all gathered from the community. And um, and we did that for four issues. They're yeah. they're really dope. Like I, I'm. I still have them. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it was uh, who was it? It was Kenny on the first cover. Kenny was on the first cover. And that was cover. that was an interview that I did with Kenny. Oh yeah, yeah. You and, interviewed Kenny. Yeah, and that was Kenny. the. That was the first one. First cover was Kenny. Second cover was me and Scheme. Was you? It was right after you won Red Bull and you had the the, the, belt. the belt on yeah. the cover. Scheme was on the back cover. Yeah. Um, and then Easy Rock. Easy Rock was the third issue. And then Swift Rock. Swift Rock was the fourth issue. Yeah. The fifth issue, which actually, like, I still have all the content. Um, uh-huh. We shot some of it, and but I have all the the written stuff. It just never came out. It was supposed to be Zulu Gremlin. Wow! And See, there you go. There's yeah. a bunch of stuff out there. Well, there. that issue's not out, but, <laughs> of course. But yeah, yeah the fact yeah. that you still have that. I mean, yeah. You know, we've tried to do a lot of different things. Many of us have tried. Yeah, different we've been things experimenting and, for a while. No, yeah. it's not. It's not my first rodeo. Of course, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's dope to hear that. So between the breaks, is a magazine that was done for a few a few runs. Actually, yeah, yeah. That, we made a thousand copies of each of each issue. Yeah. Um, we sold all of them. Um, we ever it was sold out every issue. Uh, no, first issue was only 500 copies. No, I'm sorry. The first issue was 1,000 copies. All other issues, we made 500 uh-huh. copies. All of them sold out. So, I mean, it's a collectible item, I would say. Yeah, it is a collectible and, item. Um, I mean, the, the fact that David funded it is interesting to hear as well because yeah. it goes back to that beginning when you guys met him and he, and he got and Lemmick he, a yeah, flight. And now, what is yeah. it, almost 10 years yeah. later, he was funding <laughs> a magazine. So it's and interesting. We lost some money with the magazine because yeah. there's no money in print. Exactly. And <laughs> look at that. So it's interesting to see that uh, yeah. other different things that yeah. 
people in squadron have, have, have tried to do it. I mean, yeah, because we, we all had a similar vision. We believed in certain yeah. things that should be tried, could could be successful. Or yeah. it's almost like a way to create a new standard for, for the scene, which yeah. I think that people have to realize in today's breaking. Everybody's strictly... Um, just breaking, which is obviously that's what we all yeah. do. I still do that. That's all I do. Yeah. As well, right? Everybody but wants we, to be a champion. When yeah, there's so, so many other avenues that people aren't like exploring that we need people from the scene to explore. Yeah. Or else we're always gonna have outside entities coming in and taking those roles. And trying to tell whether our story. Yeah, trying to tell our stories, whether it's being our videographers, mm-hmm. being our filmers. When you look at all other forms of alternative sports, for lack of better words, or, or disciplines, yeah. arts or disciplines or whatever. Um when you look at skateboarding and you look at surfing and you look at any of these other things, um, everything is done by people from their world. And yeah. you'll never like all these skate companies that are skateboarder owned, the filmers are skaters themselves, Yeah, you know, and unless you're from that culture, you're not necessarily like welcomed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of like guarded and, and protected and and what it does is, is it creates an industry for their people yeah and makes it so that maybe maybe you're a skateboarder and you've d- dedicated many years to skating yeah. but then by the time you're older you're not able to you know to physically keep going or you you know for whatever reason like you're not at a pro level like you can become a filmer yeah and or you can you know maybe you can start a company and you know and, and take another route but still be involved in in, exactly. in, in skating. Yeah. And that's what we lack in our world, I think. I think that there's a lack of people having an understanding of you can you can be somebody in breaking mm-hmm. without having to be the champion. Yeah. You know what I mean? People for yeah, people forget about that. I think that's another yeah. element in, within breaking and in the scene in general that we lack for sure. I think uh it's something also realizing where you're at. I think a lot of people Oh, yeah. We hold on to the idea that we're still very capable, and yeah. some of us are, but some of us just hit those walls where we're just not able to break past them. There's something yeah, yeah. back. It could be anything, uh, but I always notice that people in your crew always found different avenues to yeah. help out with in the scene. I mean, when Max said, oh, I, don't, I can't be active no more, I don't see myself being as active, guess what he did? He went help run the website, yeah. then he helped throw events, then he started he a crawling line. line. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, Felix got injured. Yeah, Felix got injured. injured and then he created, he created uh, music. Yeah, the band. Music, yeah, Unique Style. Honestly, if there's anything that I would say is the legacy of Unique Style's crew is that. Yeah. Is that everyone in the crew, or at least the the main dudes, have all like like branched out to do other things that, yeah. that were impactful in breaking, yeah. but not in a competitive sense, you know? Next exactly. is like doing the promoter side, music doing the music, um, me now still, you know, carrying on the tradition of doing events. And, yeah. and even when I did the magazine, like we've always like, I don't know, I, I don't even know how that happened. It just naturally yeah. happened. But I think like, it's your guys' passion for hip hop. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You guys are passionate yeah. about something that you fell in love with, and you all were able to expand outside of that, which is rare. I mean, for my side and most of the people that have been a part of my lineage, a lot of us have built through the scene, right? And yeah, we've yeah. been carrying on the professional breaking element, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Becoming a pro, a competitive, active dancer, and, and surviving yeah. from that side of things, which is different than you guys, right? But yeah. it's interesting to hear because... I think a lot of the people that are involved now, they're seeing my route. 
or the route that most of the guys in my crew have gone yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, even though some of our members also have done, branched yeah. out and created a bunch of other dope stuff. Not only that, but when you, yes. And at the same time though, it's funny because like, um, it actually, even if you do want to go the champion route and yeah. your goal is to be the best breaker, when you, if they were to look at you and study how you went about it, like you're much more than just active breaker. Yeah. Like look what we're doing. We're, we're doing a podcast right now. That's on your YouTube channel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, like you understand the concept of wearing multiple hats. Like yeah. I've had you be part of projects with me where you're just filming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. I've seen you do it. And like, I've seen you also um, be the filmer for a jam while also competing. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of people in our world for whatever reason, um, lack that ability, you know, and, yeah. and I feel like it's something that people should kind of like, like if anything, like look at you for an example, you know, like mm. got to be able to wear multiple hats and you got to be able to like, you know. Um, yeah, it's about expanding, expanding your, what you do, trying to reach new levels with it, try to find other ways to tell your story besides just the moves that you're doing. On yeah, the of I think that's, of course. That's the, the key piece I think that we all walk away from at the end of the day when, when we're talking about something like this, you yeah. entering into these things and accepting where you're at and you're breaking yeah. and expanding into this new element. So, which leads me to ask you, you know, about your brand, Destroy. So yeah. why, why Destroy? So Destroy, so Max put out that shirt for me or whatever yeah. and, um, uh, at the time, uh, we, we made the shirt. It said "Destroy Toys," um, and uh, I just did that because at the time, you know, I'm, I was I was a lot younger when I came out with that shirt, and I was like on some like um, on some battle shit, you know. Yeah. Like it's like on it's 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 just that it's on some battle shit, like that specific shirt, the Destroy Toys shirt. Yeah. But um, but then when I decided to make it a company, um, uh, the the reason I didn't actually keep the name Destroy Toys is because uh, there's there's a crew based out of Miami called uh, a graffiti crew called DTT. Yeah. And one of their acronyms is destroy the toys. Okay. So once I decided, okay, this isn't going to be just a shirt that I'm pushing just the B boys or whatever. And mm -hmm. I'm going to make it a company. I decided um, to, to name, to just run the name destroy. Yeah. And, and one to me, destroy means like, again, it's on some battle shit. It's like, yeah. Uh, when you're when you're in the cipher or you're doing a battle or when you're breaking in general and you kill it, like we would always be like, yo, yo, you're fucking killing it, destroy that shit, let's go, destroy yeah. mode, like let's kill it, you know. So it comes from that, and then also to play on like what we do is break. Yeah. Like you can break something or you can destroy something. Yeah. Destroy is just it's just like a, a hyped up version of the word breaking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's that's where the name comes from, and that's why I ran with the with the word destroy. Um, nice. So, and, and I kept the name because that, that first, that first initial t-shirt run, yeah. like I sold, you know, I sold all 50 of them and people already had seen it. So I wanted to keep it connected to that T. Yeah. So that's why I kept it with the Shoy. Um, and quite honestly, like I never even like really put that much thought into the name of the brand. Yeah. Um, and I've always been like that. Like I felt like, um, I can take, it, it's, the name wasn't the most important part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, I knew that I could get creative with it and do other things, but I knew that I already moved those first 50 shirts and they, yeah. they said destroy toys on them. So then I kept the name destroy. And in 2014, like I made it official and that's when we started, I started really focusing and making it a company, like a brand. Yeah. Um, and then around that time, so the, the I, I decided I didn't want to just, I knew that if I was going to do a brand, yeah. what I learned from Mex is that 
you have to produce your own your own merch. Like one of the like the best ways to do clothing, if you're going to do clothing, mm -hmm. is to do your own. You have to produce your own merch. Yeah. Um, cost wise, it's going to really bring the cost down. Yeah. Um, and make it you know make it feasible so that you can actually execute and and make some money. You know, mm -hmm. because the turnaround is like the 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 flip is much higher if you're producing your own merch. There you go. And, some, um, some gems for you yeah, also. Some business gems. Right some business there. gems for South yeah. Spain. I highly suggest if you're trying to start a brand, uh, look into doing your own printing. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to be crazy with it. You can keep it simple. Mm -hmm. You can start up with a single color, mm -hmm. you know, single color print setup, like silkscreen setup, and do basic logos and do it on your own. It's like, honestly, like that's the, the like, in, in, from what what I've learned so far and from what I've seen and even from from Mex because Mex yeah. owned B&B's uh, screen printing yeah so he had his own print business yeah and that's how he was able to have biggest and baddest and constantly have merch and push it to the level that he did it's because he was producing all his own garments yeah you know he was producing doing all like all the print work for for that stuff was done in house yeah so right away like I learned that from Mex. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that, okay, if I'm going to do this, I, I need to pro produce my own garments. So mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to get into printing. So I started looking into to printing, but I knew that, um, like Mex did it on a huge scale. Yeah. Like if you remember his print yeah, house was yeah, giant, go, like he had crazy. multiple automatic presses, like he had like a huge facility. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he didn't just print for himself. He, you know, he ran the print business and he printed for yeah. tons of other businesses. Yeah. So I knew that, that that he was doing it on that level, but I also knew that I could do it. Um, I can minimize it, mm -hmm. do, you know, start doing printing and print just for myself to yeah. destroy and producing my own garments that way. So that's how I started. So I started doing that, started, you know, do with simple prints, simple mm -hmm. designs, um, and just started gathering content like which i was already used to doing because before that i was doing the magazine exactly but now i was just branding it for destroy and obviously because i'm surrounded by artists i'm surrounded by everybody mm -hmm. that's involved in the scene not just in breaking but i'm surrounded by people that are in the graffiti scene yeah. i'm a writer as well um I'm, i come you know like from those worlds yeah that um which is rare which is rare yeah, yeah. People, nowadays people, you gotta, everything most of these guys that break they're not they're only sticking to one culture. element. Yeah, you got to expand. And I mean, for you, you're able to do, you're yeah. in multiple worlds, which is yeah, yeah. cool. And I think it helps your brand even more and also your name. No, absolutely. You do, it just, you have more voice. You reach more people. There's yeah, more yeah. audience involved. So I knew, I knew that like I wanted to do a brand that represented, and that was the thing. Like I wasn't trying to, breaking was always going to be a part of the show, no matter what, because sure. I'm a people. Yeah. Because I break and because I did 20 plus years of competitive breaking, yeah. no matter what. Destroy is going to be a breaking brand based on that alone, but I knew that I wanted to. Um, uh, I wanted it to be more lifestyle based, more culture based, mm -hmm. um, and I and there were other aspects of my life that uh, that I wanted the brand to represent. Um, yeah. You know, like like a big part of the brand was my brother, who's my twin, yeah. who's a tattooer, and he had uh, by the time I started Destroy, he had already had been tattooing for a while. Um, he's a really well-established tattooer now. Yeah. So that's why, like, part of the, of you know, that was always incorporated into the brand, like mm -hmm. the tattoo stuff, which I've been into forever. And that was and, some other designs, too. Yeah, the designs, so, yeah. a lot of the earlier designs were tattoo-based, which came from my brother. Yeah. Um, 
the graph stuff was coming from Chizzo and coming mm-hmm. from Spen. Mm-hmm. The tattoo stuff was coming from my brother. Yeah. Uh, it was a mixture of like my closest friends contributing designs, um, me handling all the production work, like all the print work, everything mm-hmm. that's ever been made for Destroy after those very first dagger shirts yeah. has been hand printed by me. So go. it's been made in my shop, in my garage shop. Every single item that's gone out has been yeah. has been has been hand pressed by me, and I take pride in that. And I feel like that's part of my branding, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. The pieces are collectible items. Like I've never done more than fifty of of one design. Wow. So every design that we've ever run, like once I've printed, once I've pressed fifty of them, I I haven't I don't repress. I didn't them. even know that. Um, <laughs> that's really cool to hear. So actually. like I just like my whole thing was like. I saw Mex do something on a huge scale. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to do something um, similar, but I kind of wanted it to be on a, on a smaller scale. Yeah. And I, like, I, you know, I looked into the numbers and I and I saw it was possible to do it. Mm-hmm. So th- that's what, like, I strive to do with it. So the brand was based on that, um, mm-hmm. on, like, keeping it limited runs of original artwork that yeah. was coming from all the homies, people that were contributing. A lot of the designs I designed myself as yeah. well. Like as like I progressed, like I got better designs. So some of the designs were made by me, uh-huh. but it was always like like a lot of people contributing, you nice. know. And and the whole time, like you know, I'm working with my homies. Like it wasn't just like people just handing me shit. Like yeah. I'm paying people to work with me. Mm-hmm. So like that was cool to like you know work with my friends and like be able to like build something. Like that, where like you know, I'm I'm able to pay yeah. and support homies like artwork, you know. Now, there you go. So that's that's, really so be, that's that's really cool. I mean, the exclusivity I think also helps to see more because as b boys, we tend to always want to have something that not many people have, right? Yeah. We go to yeah. a jam, we want to look different, we want to dress different, yeah. we want to have something that stands out, but we don't want everybody to worry. Unfortunately, that's how the scene is, and I don't think it's a bad thing. But when it comes to mass production of products yeah. and selling a lot of product. I think that can hinder yeah. the, the potential of our community because, I, as you know, the community, everybody wants to look different, right? And dance yeah. is one. And then the fashion sense comes in and the idea of b-boy fashion, yeah, just hip-hop fashion in general yeah. is being unique, being on your own, having something different that nobody else has. Yeah, yeah. And creating that limited run stuff, I think that, that provides that for a worldwide scene, right? So I yeah, think yeah. it's cool and interesting to hear that. Um, and I think that's also when we think talk about brands, that's why there's so much uh, struggle within that. And I hear people that do start clothing, it's tough to sell the product. Yeah, it's hard to sell clothing. Yeah, it's hard to sell clothing and breaking. And yeah. especially if, you, if you're producing a lot of product, I'm sure that that's not easy. You're yeah. going to be sitting on a lot of debt. And that goes back to that's why it's important to try to produce your own product. And, yeah. Or, you know, at least run your if you're just starting out run your own prints because it doesn't leave you with all this uh leftover yeah. uh, you know product because at the end yeah. of the day if you go get if you if you're going to go get some some stuff made you're going to have there's minimums you know that you need to hit if you go to a print house you know to get some something printed like let's say you wanted to make some hoodies and some tees they're going to say okay well you got to do a minimum run of like you know 50 pieces or whatever their their, their minimum might be yeah. but you might not move all that but if you're producing your own you you're you're only producing what you're moving and that's that's that helps a lot that definitely you know? yeah, that, that's I mean, definitely that helped sense. me keep be able to keep the short going the fact yeah. that i don't have like leftover product i'm able to like really produce only what I'm moving mm-hmm. and and yeah it's just it's that's it's like smart business like I would yeah. highly suggest anyone that's in the breaking world that's trying to start a brand look into producing your own stuff it's going to help a lot 
boom, there you got it. Um, so <laughs> that's cool. And I mean, from producing your own clothing, you go, you start producing events, right? So now, yeah, yeah. I wanted to bring up, I mean, last year's, you know, the the revolution, the revolution jam, yeah, the revolution jam. So the live stream, I mean. It's interesting to see because we did Underground Keen in what, 2020? Yeah. And that was a cool concept. That, that was, yeah. yeah that, that was, was really dope. Cool. We're going to run that back, actually. Yeah, we need to. But that was, really that, cool. that was really dope that we pulled it off. During the, the pandemic and everything that was yeah. going on in the world, we were able to get this uh, top eight tournament going down in, in this little place. Actually, uh, Earthling VIP who let us use the Oh, yeah. Shout, Shout out, out to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was really dope to do because it was something unique. And, I mean, that was... Almost one of the first events I've ever produced or helped produce uh, in the last maybe yeah. 15, 20 years. So that was dope. And Squid was the mind behind that event, actually, yeah. which from there he went on to bring his own event last year called Fuck the Livestream. Yeah. But it's under a concept. And I mean, why Fuck the Livestream? You know, I mean, I'm sure people already yeah, kind of yeah. can figure well, why. There's a lot but... of reasons, but <laughs> we'll get into it. So, okay. So first and foremost, the, the jam is called the Revolution Jam. Yeah, and it was the Revolution Jam Volume One, uh, or the Revolution will not be sponsored. Volume One, fuck the live stream. This year is it's the Revolution Jam Volume Two. Pay up or shut up. Yeah, and um, and yeah, I've been doing jams for a long time. People, um, the Destroy Jams are new, but um, and then obviously the the Underground King, the the video jam we did. That was the first time I ever done something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I basically been throwing events for a while since. Like since I can remember, like one of the first Unique Styles Crew events uh, was called Green Eggs and, and and Jam, and it was it was a jam me and Trigger and my brother did mm-hmm. in like 2000. Wow. You know, it was like a little super small event. It was like we were one year into breaking, and we were like, let's organize a jam. So I've been into that forever. Yeah. Um, obviously, all the outbreaks that happened in Florida, mm-hmm. I was around for all that. Um, I had you know I played. A role in in those events happening mm-hmm. but then once i get to the west coast in 2009 people um people don't remember this but like i brought outbreak to to cali yeah i did uh three outbreaks here um the last one was the one that i flew out fusic okay and it was outbreak uh outbreak la uh the west coast cypher king i did it before cypher addicts ever happened uh, okay that it was, was an all cypher event no competition except for a cypher king award um Fusic played, uh-huh. and then we just had DJs spinning the whole That's time, right. and it was all ciphers. That's fresh. Um, following that, I did a ton of jams in Cali. Yeah. Uh, I just want to like drive the point home that I'm not a new Cali promoter. Yeah, it's not, it's I've not, been yeah, throwing it's... jams in Cali, specifically in LA, for almost 13 years yeah, now. Yeah, 13 years now. Yeah. So it's been a while. Um, from the BGSK events that I did, because I also had a, a storefront here yeah, in LA. Yeah, I remember that. Um, where I threw events out of that storefront uh, with Eddie and Jules. We, we owned a storefront called BGSK. Yeah. I had a dance studio in the back um, and, a, uh, and a storefront in the front. Mm-hmm. I threw jams there for years. Did all the break LAs with Muneki and Casper and these guys. I was part of that those events mm-hmm. uh, with Panda. Mm-hmm. And then also the events, um, all the other events that I that I was a part of here in LA just yeah. in the past 13 years it's been a lot it's been a lot but going the, on <laughs> destroy jam specifically um those those were those all had concepts behind them yeah that we were really trying to like I really wanted to make it a point to have um it was almost like 
each jam has like a has a a reason to why we're doing it. Yeah, that's the concept behind the jams. Yeah. So the so like you you were asking. So the first one, the revolution will not be sponsored. Volume one, fuck the live stream. Yeah. So we had just come out of COVID. Mm-hmm. It was 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, events start happening during COVID. Obviously, everything was live streamed. Everything was digital because. Yeah. There was no other way to do it. Yeah, yeah. understandable, course, yeah. no big deal. I was, I was never against that. I think mm-hmm. that's that. That was what we needed to do. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you got to pivot and change things to keep things going. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, but even, but even um, before that, I think um, I had always noticed that the live stream events, mm-hmm. specifically the bigger ones, yeah, um, that deal with copyright issues for music. Course, yeah. Obviously, the music is limited. Very, very limited. That's it's limited. That, yeah, that's what you know? people don't get. I think it's, uh, yeah, the live stream thing, it's cool. Of course, you know, it, for certain events it works, but yeah. not every single event should be yeah. live stream. At least from my perspective, exactly. we don't need to see a live stream for every single Not event. everything needs to be a live stream. Exactly. It's and okay. You can drop the footage after. People yeah, are still exactly. going to watch it. Yeah. And my whole thing was this. Like, it's one thing, these huge events that have the live streams, they... They actually, it makes sense for them. For instance, yeah. the DC ones, I mean, like, you know, I have friends that produce music for those events. Yeah. You know, obviously, like, I'm not against any of that. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, in those in, in those cases, we need that. Mm-hmm. And those productions are giant. Yeah, you know, course, we need yeah. that. Um, but they got, you know, when these smaller events were being live streamed, mm-hmm. and then all we were hearing was was... The same music. The, the beats that were just produced for the live streams. Yeah. And then at the same time, not everybody is getting top-notch production yeah, for their music for these jams. Yeah. And that specific year, I had traveled. I'm not going to name specific jams, but yeah, I had yeah. traveled to a couple of jams that I saw that I saw in person, mm-hmm. and the music was really bad. Yeah. And then I actually noticed at these jams that um, there was a whole generation of kids there yeah. that... Um, you know, and this is normal. Like they weren't, they weren't affected by the music being bad. Yeah, you know. And and then I and then it it hit me like, oh man, there's a whole gen of kids that like don't even understand that one, this isn't dope Mm -hmm. music, Mm -hmm. and two, this isn't our music. This isn't the music of our culture. Yeah. So like that hit for me, and I was like, damn, like I kind of want to do something about that, and. I'm just that type of dude. Like, I'm yeah. not just going to, like, complain about something mm-hmm. or, like, voice my opinion on something and not try to do something, do something about, it. about it. Of course. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's so, <laughs> so, like, just talking about it doesn't do anything. Um, and at the same time, I did want to call attention to people that were that were throwing these jams. And I wanted to call attention to it and be like, yo, this is watering shit down. Yeah. These jams are, are kind of whack. Like this music is, is, is not good and we're affecting a whole generation. Like, mm-hmm. and that's not good. So, you know, like, so I, I purposely gave it that name. Yeah. Cause I knew it would hit. Yeah. And I knew people would be like, you know, if yeah. the shoe fits, Worried. you're going to get, you're going to get offended. And I feel, honestly, I feel like I got a lot of good responses from, from that event happening. Yeah. And we did the event. And I wanted to have specific DJs there, and I did. Yeah, I had Scheme out there. He was a, like Scheme. I go back with Scheme. Like mm-hmm. I like I've seen Scheme spin a lot of the old outbreaks. Yeah. He was always like working with Mex. Um, I respected him for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and I knew that he was somebody that cared about that. 
and I knew he was somebody that would be like and he was vocal about it and too. He, exactly he was vocal and he and I knew and because he was vocal about it I knew like cool like I want to work with Scheme because he gets it and yeah. he's being vocal about it I want to be vocal about it let's be vocal about it together <laughs> so so yeah. like so that's kind of like where the concert came in and um and you know and I got a lot of like I got a lot of good responses from it and people understood and I feel like some people might have gotten offended, but I feel like a lot of people also were like, yeah, you're it's right. Like, yeah, it was a reminder. a reminder. And then what we did, you know, we did the jam. We captured the footage. Yeah. Yo, we dropped it within a week from the event. I think within days from yeah. the event, it was online. Yeah. Everybody still saw it. Yeah. And, you know, and it is what it is. And and in my opinion, like, it built a hype around it, you know? Like, of course, yeah. Because people were like, damn, this is going to be a really dope jam. And they were waiting to see it. And then when they saw it, they were excited to see it. Like, not everything needs to be live. That was my whole point. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the vibe, everything at the event. I mean, I was there. I, I got to compete at the event. And yeah. for me, it was dope. The whole energy there, the atmosphere. Yeah. And when you watch it in the footage, it just looks organic. It, it yeah. reminds me of those old events that you go in and there's not a big stage. There's not big lights. That's the other You thing need to too. have both, right? I'm not, we're not yeah. disregarding. We're not disrespecting. No, I'm you need everything. We need, need every, everything. every level needed. of everything. We need all yeah, types we, of events. Yeah, we need all types of events. Yeah. This, I wanted to do one is, that was like this. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think that is, a lot of people need to experience that because if you're just used to competing on the big stages, so I'll use this as an example, right? If you're used to competing on big stages, you're used to just doing big moves, a lot of space, but we are, a lot of us from our era, learned in little cyphers, learned yeah. in small jams. We have to learn how to control ourselves in these small environments and be able to dominate and do hard stuff in, in these little cyphers. Yeah. yeah. And that room and that energy that was in there was just something very special. Yeah, I think that. everybody that witnessed, yeah. witnessed it or was a part of it, everybody walked away with, with good feedback. And I mean, people people need that and i think it's yeah. needed and i think the responses and the people that see it or, or you know what they say is like oh the music music and it goes to show that people do care about the music yeah right? exactly i feel like that was the thing i felt like a lot of people were acting like nobody cared about the music yeah who cares shut up squid you're you're just you're just complaining or like you're old yeah yeah and it's not the case people no. do care about the music yeah like everybody cares about the music exactly. and it affects the battles and to me, you can't expect to have high-level dancers With dancing high to low-level music. Exactly. Bro, everything's got to be high-level. Yeah. Like, or else it's not going to work out. Exactly. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, I remember seeing that same year, I saw an event that was live-streamed, and I saw the Ruggeds battling somebody, and the beats were so bad. Yeah. They were like, it was, it was some of the worst beats I had ever heard. <laughs> and I remember like talking to my friends being like, damn, these guys are really forcing themselves to dance to this music. Yeah, yeah. And, and that says a lot. I mean, like, it happens, like, right? This is crazy. Like how, how are we at the highest level with the lowest quality? Well, it's just like people are trying to presented? get their event be seen, right? And I, yeah. again, it just comes back to that. Everybody's trying to follow the next thing. And instead of just being okay with, hey, you know what, let's step back, let's just produce the event itself with actual music that we all dance to. Yeah. We're not going to try and sell the event. It's no, just of literally not. being seen. It's another event that is going to provide a platform for people to dance, and we don't have to give away the music every single jam, right? We understand yeah, yeah, certain yeah. events are going to be there where that's just what happens, and that's part of it, and that's what we sign up for, but yeah. to do that for the whole culture and the whole it's scene, I think lot. it's going to leave a mark yeah. that might last generations in a way, but I hope that the next generation start to also study the dance enough to 
understand how important the music is for this dance. Yeah, because of it, it, because it's it, part of it. It's only going to help you in yeah. your dance. That's, if you dive into the music and you look into it, it's going to help you. Yeah, it's it's only going to develop you more. You're only going to be better. Yeah. So it's it's well, important. I mean, for me being still being active, I've been lucky lucky enough to be at the events where I don't have to constantly hear bad music right yeah yeah of course sometimes i've been able to go to some and you can find your way through it but yeah other times when you get music that you like or things that you are used to dancing to or things that are from that help develop this culture develop yeah, this yeah. dance it's a different energy yeah and, and i think it's important to preserve that again guys it's it's about preserving and passing on a certain thing and at the same time we gotta have both elements yeah and it goes it's again like it's back to like I looked at the scene and I'm like, what is there a lack of? Okay, it's lacking this, cool, that's what I want to do then. Because yeah. what am I going to try to put on another super overproduced event yeah. with huge lights? Well, we don't, we don't have the budget like, for all that. Or even if I <laughs> if I wanted to come up with a budget, I probably could, but it's like, there's so many, there's yeah, so there's much so of much that. Yeah, there's so much you can do, that, yeah, like, there's a lot of that. I wanted to do something different, I wanted to do something organic, and I wanted it to be how, you know, how it was. Yeah. So, and then, so now, now we're in, Coming no, up, yeah, we're in 2022 yeah, now. October 29th, Volume 2. Um, same thing. Yeah. There's things going on that I see in the scene that that mm -hmm. I feel like, okay, and that I experience personally working with companies because, you know, like, again, like, I can't stress this enough. I'm not against any corporate entity coming I'm to Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. I'm not against anyone being sponsored. Yeah. I'm not against any of that. I want all of that. I'm for that. Yeah. I just... Want to make sure that when it happens, we're not played, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this year, October 29th. October 29th. Uh, it's, the second uh, version. The second, the second installment of the Revolution Jam. The Revolution Jam Volume 2, Pay Up or Shut Up. Mm -hmm. And we're giving away $10,000 first place, $1,000 second place, and a $500 Cypher King prize. Nice, Cypher, nice. Or Cypher uh, MVP award. Yeah, and this time um, you're actually bringing a closed bracket yeah right? so you're, you're so bringing this is an invitational. invites two on two invites only two on two lineup is looking crazy it's stacked yeah the lineup is stacked two on two it's a pro invitational and i did that on purpose again anything i do is um is it's got reason behind yeah, there's, it. there's reason behind um, it yeah the whole the concept of of one i wanted to make sure that we give away at least ten thousand. yeah uh this past two years i've been working with people working with companies um i've dealt with a lot of issues about budgeting i've heard a lot of no's mm -hmm. um i've also seen a lot of big entities organize events um and cash prizes were in you know for lack of better words they were they were shit or they were like not respectable amounts that you feel that, that i should feel be getting for what is, it was. is what we're worth one and what i feel like somebody that's supposed to be competing for a world title mm -hmm should be should be getting you yeah, know what yeah. i'm saying so i really wanted to make sure that we gave away at least ten thousand dollars yeah because um i feel like not that other people haven't given away more money they have yeah, yeah. um but i wanted to do it independently yeah. i wanted to do it with just destroy and i wanted to do it to show like because the way i look at it is like this i feel like a lot of these outs outside um corporations might come to breaking mm -hmm. they come to breaking um or when they approach any other like uh, alternative sport or culture or whatever that they're trying to do business in, when they uh, when they come in, yes. they look at the the structure that we already have laid out, and they look at our industry and they look at at like our infrastructure, and they see like 
they judge our value based off that. Yeah. So they base it off of our numbers, you know, mm -hmm. what, what, what can we do on our own, right? Yeah. So I feel like that's part of the reason why um, we have we have trouble getting bigger budgets approved for certain things in breaking. Yeah. I feel like they, they look at us like, um, well, most of the cash prizes are like $2,000, $1,500, whatever. So I think we can do that too when we come in. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know what the the event was, but I believe it. Was, I don't know. If, I don't want to say it was a, an Olympic event, but I remember Menno um, last he year. He was complaining. About he was it. complaining. Yeah, I saw that. Um, like about I, I don't know. I think it was some sort of Olympic related event. It was related to something. It was I believe the was it the one, one that Vic won? Yeah, Vic won that one, and I think what was the prize? That the one that they had last year. Uh, it was nineteen hundred. Nineteen hundred dollars, yeah. but they went from. I guess Mano was saying that he won thirty. Yeah, they won thirty, like thirty thousand, and it dropped to nineteen hundred. Dropped down to nineteen hundred. So 1900s. he was asking what was up with that, and yeah, yeah that's and that was from yeah. what I understood. That was that was connected to to some Olympic stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know too much about it, but I yeah, know that. It was, yeah, I'm not too familiar. I just yeah, know I don't want to okay, say one year was yeah. thirty and one year was nineteen hundred. So right. it was a huge, going on. It was a huge yeah, pay difference. Was, yeah, um, it was a big difference. That's a ninety. So just like I. I remember hearing that and being like wow like that's crazy like yeah. the there's there's funding for that there's definitely corporate backing for that and there's there's companies organizing that so for when i heard I that, mean, yeah, that i don't know who organized i don't know who it was but i know yeah. that there's people behind I mean, it yeah so, so the fact that, that they could only come up with 1900 for first place for yeah. a world title yeah to me that's insulting yeah but again i'm not the type to just complain and not do anything about it mm -hmm. so i'm like you know i'm just trying to lead by example like yo let's i'm gonna put up 10 racks if mm -hmm. little old destroy can give away ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars from from my independent company yeah. that comes from our scene mm -hmm. if i can put up 10 racks there's no excuses like yeah there's no excuses for anybody I mean? else yeah like, especially when you got that yeah, and stuff like i don't you know like i don't know i just feel like if you're gonna if like, you know, I'm not talking about, again, I'm not talking about the local level events. Of course, the yeah, grassroots yeah. events. It's just, you were talking about happening. major events. Talking about major like, events. A lot of things are going on. And, and major companies stepping into breaking, mm -hmm. maybe trying to do sponsorship deals, trying to do, um, you know, deals. And, and them not understanding that, like, like, we expect budgets to be, you know, be, you know, respectable you know what I mean? the prizes yeah it's something i think a lot of people have trouble with and it, it's a lot of us still are learning how to ask these questions or it's just still a learning curve for a lot of people from, yeah yeah, from yeah this generation but the idea is to create a new standard yeah and you're, exactly and you're basically doing that yeah. by being like you know what fuck it i'll fund it myself i'm putting this much money up yeah and this time it's closed off we're bringing 30 uh 32 duels no no uh 16 16 um, duels. 16 du uh it's yeah 16 duels okay 32 people, uh -huh. um, close off bracket. It's in, like I said, it's invitational because I wanted to keep it. Um, I'm trying to make it. Uh, so the concept is it's big money, small jam, mm -hmm. but also like pro level. Yeah. So like my, my whole thing is that like, I feel like right now I go to jams, high level events. Yeah. First of all, these events are too long. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to jams. Like, I've been to jams. I've been to a couple of jams that, that have lasted 12 hours. You know what I mean? 15 hours. Yeah. Like, that's crazy, first yeah. of all. Like, I feel like, one, it it um, it 
it affects the dancers. Yeah. Uh, because having to perform and wait and perform, wait and perform, nobody likes that. Yeah. And yeah, then two, sure. the other thing is that like I'm going to this event, these events, and I and I see like people that have been breaking for a month, two months, three weeks. They're doing prelims, doing prelims, and then they they might do prelims against somebody like you. Yeah. No other. <laughs> like competitive sport culture art whatever you want to call it yeah, yeah. has that like yeah. the beginner like the the new new jack beginner guy that's been breaking for a couple of months yeah. doesn't get to face off with the professional red bull sponsored rocks right that doesn't make any sense yeah i see so, what you mean i mean that's something that i've actually myself have brought up in discussions and stuff which yeah. is yeah breaking we still can't decide well, who's a professional. And yeah, there's professional. no separation there's no, of pros and, and amateurs. And it's, I mean, format. in a way, that's the beauty of it. But that's but also the values, the values, and it's the it's the. I mean, I'm playing those other here, so it's yeah. the counter, right? So it's, it creates uh, opportunity for everybody. You never know; somebody might slip through the cracks and and get to shine, right? Yeah. That's the beauty of it. But on the counter is that. Yeah, we're not creating a standard for a professional. For a professional, and yeah, that's what professional competitive. Because again, there's multiple ways to be a professional dancer, a professional breaker. Yeah, you can be a professional guy that just does auditions. But I'm talking about the battle aspect of it, the competitive, yeah, like aspect of it. There's no like way to to separate amateurs from professionals yeah. right now. And again, again. I can't stress this enough. I'm not talking about every event yeah, yeah, getting sure. rid of that. I'm yeah. not talking about getting rid of the local level events should always be open signups. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all about like know your place. Know know where you're at. Know where you're at when you're throwing an event as far as like where your event is at. If you, yeah. it's your first time throwing an event, obviously you want to have open yeah. signups. It's going to bring more people in. People are going to like have more like reason to come to your event. Mm -hmm. You're going to want that. But I feel like it's time that creating the standard again this is standard. definitely not need events that focus on high level competitive aspect because i was i've told you this before i feel like also um a big thing in breaking is we lack a fan base yeah so um when you go to a breaking jam the majority of the people there are people that are competing at the event you yeah. go to a jam everyone is competing everyone is signing up the majority of the spectators, at least here in the U.S., mm -hmm. maybe it's different overseas, but in the U.S., the majority of the spectators are, are they're spectators, but they're also there because they want to compete. Yeah. Um, so they're there to sign up to try to, to, to you know, to try to compete. And then once they don't make it past certain certain uh, phase, then they'll become spectators. And yeah, they, so they leave. What that does, in my humble opinion, is that it leaves no room for us to grow a fan base. Yeah. There's nobody coming to the jams to admire the, the pros. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, and also, um, I feel like if we, we create this like aspect of like, you have to like, for you to participate in this event, you have to be invited yeah. you have to be a pro. It, it, um, what it does, it, it, it incentive, uh, incentivizes younger kids to be like, yo, I want to be pro one day. Yeah. I want to get you know to that level. Yeah. I want to get to that level. I want to battle those people. Yeah. So I, I want to battle them there. one day. So yeah. that, that drives competition and that pushes people to, um, to reach higher yeah, to, to reach that level, and then and then again, it 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 showcases, like yo, these guys are high level, and that's why they've been they've been invited to do so. And I'm again just trying to create new of course, things. Yeah, it's, it's creating those standards. You yeah. know, that, like you were talking about, that's an interesting topic because that's something that is not really talked about. And I've said it. I've judged a lot of events, you know, and some events, yeah, they're really long, and I understand why people don't connect with that as much because you are going, you are seeing a lot of people that. 
don't have the experience yet, which is okay, yeah. part of the tournament. But I think yeah. the promoter's job at that point should be promoting the actual tournament at a certain time yeah. for the general audience, right? That yeah, way they can yeah. come and watch the highlight moments of the tournament yeah. instead of being which there all day. They're starting to do that. They're starting to do that. Yeah. Now. I noticed, and I noticed good a good uh, turnout when that happens, or it's, I feel the feedback and the response is actually better because people are actually entertained when they show up and they, they only see the top six. Yeah, it breaks it, up the day. It breaks up the day instead of going from 12 and you're watching prelims and you lose interest after a while because... You want to see the moments, and by the time the tournament starts and the battle's actually going on, yeah. people are burnt out by that point, and, and, yeah. and then they, they lose traction, they lose interest, and then they just leave. The other thing with what you just mentioned is something that I mentioned before uh, about the, the, the pro-level category and all that. Another topic is the mediocrity and breaking, right? The, the reason that I feel things have become difficult for, for, certain, for maybe the last couple of generations is that even in my generation, it was happening because I was one of those people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say this because I experienced it myself, right? So you're able to win local jams with a certain level of moves, right? Yeah. And you're never having to level up to reach those levels of these guys that yeah. are obviously winning more than more. you are or just yeah, winning yeah. more often, winning the bigger battles. There's something that you're not doing to reach those levels because you don't have to. You can go to a local gym that's giving a rack. You can go to another local gym that's giving 500 bucks. Yeah, and guess yeah. what? Those guys aren't coming to those events, right? They're winning yeah. all the big world titles. They're getting invited to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when you do get that chance to go to that world-level event, you're just not up to par because you haven't had to battle that level of competition consistently. Yeah, that's true. And, I, and, and, I, and that creates, in some ways, the, the mediocrity being okay. Yeah. Because, oh, well, I'm good at these events, and I won these events, and I'm able to sustain that. But that's why I noticed that it's harder to reach those high levels. And when I struggled the most was when I was doing that. I was going to some local gyms, and, and, and the the more established figures that just yeah. had a more mature dance style than I did and had yeah, higher levels nice. that I lacked, they were just constantly beating me and I would always be frustrated like oh I know I can beat them I know I can beat them yeah, but I just yeah, yeah. I was never leveling up to those yeah. levels and eventually I was like all right I gotta sit down and really be real with myself and be honest with myself and those are the things that pushed me to get to those levels and I was able to yeah start reaching these big international battles start battling big names and yeah. with that experience I started to level up more and more and more yeah and I think that is a good you point. Stop leveling up. yeah but that that's a good point that uh, I think that you bring up with creating this idea of a close-off tournament, or as I'm sure it's been done before, but yeah, it's that you're, been done before, you're yeah. bringing a certain level of people that you think are at a high level, yeah. and, and that's creating a standard of what we would consider professionals, yeah. right? Yes, and also, our, like, keeping it 100, too, like, obviously, like, uh, this event is my personal event. Well, yeah, exactly. It's mine and my brother's personal event. Yeah. It's our personal choices, like... Um, a lot of people were like, oh, well, how come you're inviting those people? How come you invite these people? And it's like, hey, look, I'm putting up $10,000. Yeah. I want to invite who I want to invite. Like, it's like <laughs> my dream event. Yeah, like, yeah. We're going to invite the dudes that we want to see go at it. Yeah. Like, yes, some of these dudes are our personal favorites. This yeah. is who we want to see. Some of the dudes were people that I seen battle all year long, consistently killing showing it. up the jams, killing it. And then yeah. some of the people are people that I truly want to see battle and, and I want to see them compete. I enjoy what yeah. they do. I enjoy their you art. So I want to see it. them. Yeah. I want to, <laughs> and I want to see, you know, these people go at it with certain people. Yeah, so yeah. that's based, that's how we decided on the invites. But, um, but yeah, but like it doesn't, um, you know, like 
our concept is to do this once a year and invite different people as we go on. Um, You know, so like we're we're fans of breaking. So like we watch breaking. I watch a lot of the things that are going on. I still frequent a lot of events. I'm at tons of local jams. Sometimes I'll go like out of town to go to a jam. Like I'm always watching. I'm up on game. I'm looking to see who's competing. If I invite somebody, it's because they honestly deserve it. Yeah. And then the other thing too is that um, I want to, like the reason that we started the the Revolution Jams, you know, one is to address issues that we felt need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And then also um, we wanted to be able to Put people in judging positions that we feel deserve to be in judging positions. There you go. I feel like there's a lot of people judging right now mm-hmm. that I don't I, like. Again, none of this is personal, so it's hard for me to like um, articulate it in a way where I'm not going to offend anybody. But <laughs> it's good. like, it's, it's for good. the betterment of breaking. Yeah. So yeah. when I say this, I don't want anyone out there taking it personally. But at the end of the day, I feel like there's certain people that are judging that don't need to be judging. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like. Um, I'm not one of these people that believe you have to be like a super, uh, like super high level people uh, to, to judge. Yeah. But I do feel like there are things that you need to have experience with to be able to judge. Just knowledge of. Knowledge of is a big factor. Yeah. But also, in my opinion, you have to have some battle experience. And I'm not talking about like cipher, like if nowadays, like, in, in the high level competitions that we're in, yeah. I feel like it, like sometimes even when you pull somebody that might have had battle experience, yeah. but their battle experience, let's say, was pre-competitive breaking, yeah. meaning like they when they were actively doing their thing, mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, like let's say they were actively doing their thing in the 90s, yeah. but not... Um, like basically, like uh, the generation before I mean, your generation, yeah, the pre, generation before you guys, yeah. pre-competition, right? Pre- consistent competition. Pre-competition happening, and not to the to the degree that it, it came to. Right? There's a lot of people that were obviously really dope in their time, and they they of course inspired a lot of people. Yeah, from and they, yeah, exactly. After. Yeah, and I know what you mean. So it's just people that maybe weren't as active and maybe left the scene for a while, and they come back. And yeah, get, I feel like those, that experience of it. And, yeah, I think can can be harming sometimes. It for can the affect scene. their judging. Yeah, it can sure. affect it can affect the scene as well because sometimes the results are influential, right? Sometimes the people winning are what's going to be yeah, it affects influential everything. for the scene, and and that yeah. I think judging is difficult. I think anybody that sits in that seat has to be responsible for the calls they make. Yeah, they have to be able to explain, explain and, in detail and, why they made their calls. Exactly. And then also, I feel like yeah, I feel like I feel like it's also respecting, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's a slap in the face, like you show up to a competition, to a high level competition, yeah, super high level competition. Corporate sponsored high level competition, and then um, one out of the three judges has no high level battle experience. experience. Okay, you've you never even seen them. There's not even footage of them battling mm-hmm. anyone of importance. Yeah, there there was no. That is somewhat like I'm I'm somebody that I've competed for twenty plus years. Yeah. I'm not saying I reached your level, mm-hmm. but again, like it, it's all about being able to see where you're at yeah. and being able to like be reasonable, like and be true to yourself, right? Yeah. So like I've never reached the levels that you reached comp- competing, right? Yeah. But I've done a fair share of, of competitions. Mm-hmm. Like and I've won a good amount of shit. I've I've won 
high level things. Like I've lost high level things yeah, yeah. as well, but I've had experience in competing. Right. Yeah. Like if I, so if, like, I'm looking at it from my perspective. If I was to show up to a jam and I look at the, the judging panel mm-hmm. and one out of those three people have no battle experience, yeah. that that's that feels it feels like I feel insulted. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel yeah. like a lot of people relate to this. A lot of breakers feel that way. People mm. don't talk about it because and they don't voice their opinions because people nowadays have a lot to lose and people, you know, a lot of things are somewhat political. You know, you don't want to like mm. you like People are very um, aware of how they have to act to well, be able... It's a, you know, defending somebody that might be in that position that might have that background you're talking about, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's obviously different uh, voices speaking in the scene about whether you should be somebody that's... Of course, the, the idea of maybe you weren't as active, but if you are able to acknowledge breaking and understand it to a certain level, yeah. you should still be okay with that person judging. But the scene is also a respect-based thing, right? You yeah. earn your stripes, you go through yeah. the battlefield, you develop, you grow, you you do a lot. Yeah. And there is a lot of people that maybe have been around a long time that have a different eye for it. So it, I think it's finding that balance. Uh, for me, I'm not against either or. I just think that if you have somebody judge a certain thing, they have to somewhat understand that what breaking is to me, yeah. and not my opinion of breaking, but I'm saying they have to understand what breaking is. Yeah. And somewhat have somewhat of history because I think the other people can come and judge that are outside sources, but to me, we can't continue to be what everything else is, right? Yeah. Breaking is still breaking, and this is a very special dance and very unique yeah, dance. Yeah. That I feel that there's still needs to be a smart dance that requires yeah. a high level of understanding of every some, aspect of it for you to judge it. Yeah, there has to be an acknowledgement of, of the dance at least, whether you study it, understand it, you've done yeah, some research yeah, on it, course. to be able to come back and, and judge and give an opinion about yeah. it. Because if you're an outside source, then I wouldn't, even if I picked up a book and read something, I feel like I wouldn't want to be judging and something. Tell, that it's I wasn't not even, part of. I'm not even talking about outside sources because mm-hmm. there are people that are involved in the scene, mm-hmm. organize events are you know super involved and i'm you know there's nothing wrong with that that's great yeah i feel like um i feel like judging and this is just my personal opinion and again i'm not asking anyone to change how they do their thing they can continue to do whatever and again there's levels to it obviously lower level jams or lower like more grassroots events can have like a different standard for judging and you know i'm talking about when it's like bigger jams bigger cash prizes bigger Mm -hmm. um you know Bigger level events, I yeah. feel like the ju- that's when it's like really important to really have like yeah. solid judges. And then it's like, to me, I I just feel like there's so many people that have really good understanding about the dance, mm-hmm. put in a lot of work competing, competed, were influential in the culture, mm-hmm. made a mark in the culture. There's like a list of these people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that all of them are good at judging. Of course, yeah, because there's also the other side of the coin. A yeah. lot of those people are really bad at judging. They're <laughs> yeah. really not responsible, really not. Um, they just don't work well as judges. Yeah, yeah. But even then, there's still a long list of people that are pretty legit. that are pretty legit. Yeah, yeah. Have that, the background that deserve to be in that seat. to be in that seat. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like when you put somebody that doesn't have that at that level, of at energy. that level, I feel like it's a little insulting. And I feel yeah. like I don't know. I just feel like um, people need to be aware of that. Like I can see what you, know you mean. What I mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's your your opinion. Yeah, and that. But again, it goes back to that's why I'm doing. I decided to do this series of events with Destroy with my company because yeah. I want to be able to put those people in the seats. I want to be able to 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 
get people that I feel deserve recognition, recognition and are are actually intellectuals about the dance and actually care about breaking and will do a good job uh-huh. at judging it and have the background of competing in it. Yeah. I want to, I want to, with my events, give them those seats. Yeah, and so pro, pro level, B-boy, yeah. and this is your view on the way people, yeah. that you're going to hire the judge. That's yeah, and again, I'm not asking anyone to change anything. Yeah. I'm just doing what I want to do and, and providing the opportunities for the people that I want to provide the yeah. opportunities for because that's just the type of person person I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to just like, like I want to be able to, uh, to voice my opinion on things that I think are whack. Yeah. And I feel like for me to be able to do that, I need to be, I need to like constantly lead by example. Yeah. Leading by example and doing things. So people know like, Hey, and he's I talking that's, shit, but at least he provides. I think that's a, that's a part of the scene, right? I think a lot of us, we have a lot of opinions or we, we think certain things should be a certain way, but it, it, that's why a lot of the people that do throw events is, they're, they're saying is, well, why don't you throw your own shit? Yeah, yeah. And that, that, I mean, that's what you're doing. Yeah, and that's, what that's what we all have to do, yeah, right? Yeah, I would hope more people would do that too. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, they, our scene is full of people that talk, but then they won't go and yeah, do they have to. Yeah, you have to show and prove. <laughs> show and prove. Yeah, put up or shut up. Doing. Yeah, yeah. Pay up <laughs> like, or shut up. Pay up or yeah. shut up like this year's event. So stay tuned for that. And uh, man, yo, yo it was uh, great having you. Great talking with you. Thanks for great. having me. I'm humbled. Like, yo. you know, I'm just a nobody. Just nah, nah, it's good to hear your opinion. It's good to get different perspectives because. A lot of times we only hear someone like me speaking or somebody that's doing what I'm doing, but there's different sides of the coin in the same scene. And I think it's good to hear your, your voice, to yeah, hear what you got to say. And thanks for doing what you do, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Me. And uh, it. it's inspiring to me. So, yo, thanks for tuning in. Catch you guys on the next one. Make sure you tune in October 29th. If you're in LA, come check out the event. And yep. Squadron 15 year anniversary going down December 10th as well. So stay tuned for that. Yep. And follow up. See y'all next time. Peace, Peace out, y'all.